And I'm your host, John Rush, Rush to Reason, KLZ 560, Denver's Afternoon Rush, Charlie Grimes on the board, Cassie George handling Facebook Live, Dan is out driving for Uber, so say hi to Dan, Cassie. Uh, hi, Dan. You know he's listening. Dr. Peggy Mitchell with us as well, taking Dan's place this hour. This is the first time in a long time there's more females in the room. By the way, Dr. Males. Peg's a lot better looking than Dan. You know, I'm not going to argue that, actually. <laughs> I don't think he would either, actually. I don't think Dan would either. <laughs> So thank you, Dr. Peggy, for joining us. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you, John, so much. I appreciate it. It's your monthly visit. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. First of all, talk about your show, which is on today before our show. But in the future, we're going to have you on a day earlier so we can talk a little bit about what comes up on your show the day after. What did you guys talk about today? Yeah, today I had Debbie Stevenson. She's a certified wellness coach. And we talked about how to stay on track with our healthy habits through the holidays and into the new year because it's really about making health and wellness, a lifestyle. So we had a great show. My daughter, Allie, is home from she's graduate school. She's yeah, she's sitting behind us, studying watching. to become a psychologist, and she actually has some expertise in sleep research. So we talked a little bit about also okay, the importance sleep of research. sleep. Yeah, she worked in a sleep lab and did research with adolescents. And so sleep is just so important, such a foundation okay, just, to wellness. Just a side note, real quick, mm-hmm. before we get into the rest yeah, of our yeah. topics. How many hours a day should somebody sleep? What's the what's the ideal? Yeah, well, between seven and nine for adults, but Allie said eight to ten for adolescents, and they usually are probably, if they're lucky, getting six. Eight to ten, they're lucky if they get six. Mm-hmm. We should get seven to nine. Yes. Does yes. it matter if you get seven or nine? It depends, depends on, on your, your body. body. We need to get Allie on the mic well, here, here and get some... Uh, Get some uh, sleep expertise, Allie Norwood. Just set of headphones real quick. Yeah. Hang on, we'll get some headphones. Let's do this. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Sleep is a big deal. Yeah, it really is. It does have a lot to do with your wellness, and right? it, it really is a public health um, concern that sleep deprivation can account for accidents while people are driving, mistakes in calculations as a pharmacist, for example. Okay. Eye hand motor coordination. Allie can probably tell tell you better so than I. But it's so with important. Less sleep. Yes, it does. We did studies with teenagers and you know they have trouble concentrating at school trouble with reaction times for driving which is dangerous for new drivers and you know overall health effects they're just sleepy throughout the day so is there a particular time of the day that's better to sleep than others in other words do our bodies react differently to light versus dark and this time of the year when yesterday was the shortest daylight day of the year do those things have an effect on us when it comes to sleep yeah so light actually affects your melatonin levels and that's what kind of signals your body that it's time to sleep so since the sun is going down so much earlier we're getting less light so you're probably going to want to go to bed earlier but if kids are up like super late with like artificial light then that kind of pushes their timing back okay the blue screens does that have an effect upon how we sleep at night yes that's artificial light Okay. So in other words, don't be on the cell phone before you go to bed. Yes. You have to practice good sleep habits and no caffeine. Turn off your phone before bed, so like an hour before bed. never been an issue for me. I can't tell. <laughs> I, can drink like, I can drink like a cup of coffee. And I go wonder right what sleep. you would be like if you didn't drink a lot of coffee. That'd be interesting. You know, I, I, did, I did total decaf, so I lost all my weight, you know, back in 2010. Did total decaf, decaf for many years. Mm. Didn't have any. And I'll be honest, I really... I mean, I could tell getting off of it was tough, but I think a lot of that was just eating cleaner and mm-hmm. all of that all at one time. It was yeah. like a shock to my body. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you now, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I, you know, I can go with or without coffee in the morning. It doesn't seem mm-hmm. to affect my ability to get up, get going, whatever. I'm just kind of one of those persons that when I get up, I'm going anyways. Mm-hmm. And when it's time to go to bed, whether I've had so coffee or not, I yeah. go to bed. 
Well, I, I have a funny story. I went through a detox with my guest, Debbie Stevenson, who was on the show earlier, okay. went through a five-day detox with her. And on day two, I was bedridden from caffeine withdrawal and didn't realize that's what was going really? on first. Yeah. And I don't drink I mean, a lot of they coffee. They claim one cup a day is all you need, Yeah. Right? I, I don't I even drink addicted. that much. Yeah. I was drinking uh, mostly decaf and maybe one regular a day and maybe another cup of decaf. So a total of two a day. And I actually went through withdrawal, literally bedridden, nauseous, headache, body See, aches. And the, yeah, no, the headaches will kill you yeah, on yeah. that end of it. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're going to have caffeine, it's better to have it in the morning as opposed to <laughs> so like is, at is, dinner. So is caffeine bad for you? I don't think so. I just Not heard a study the other day that said, I think it was one cup of coffee actually helps with, I can't remember what the metrics were, but they were saying one cup of coffee is does help. actually helpful okay. in some aspects and won't harm you. Okay. And certainly drinking it in the morning as opposed to later in the afternoon or evening won't interfere with your sleep at night. Okay. Mm. And part of why I want to interlace some of this is we're going to talk a little bit about depression at yeah. Christmas, yeah. you know, because it's a, it's a big thing for a lot of folks, mm-hmm. especially people that... I don't know, there are just some out there that struggle during the holiday season, uh, past memories, yep. maybe they didn't have a great childhood, maybe somebody died during the holidays. I mean, there's all sorts of things that can kind of come into play, and I by no means am on your guys' side of the fence. So I am not a psychologist at all. I just know from you know doing the show as long as I have and some of the studies and different things mm-hmm. that we've talked about that this is a big suicide time of the year, right? Fortunately, it is. And people, even if you lost a loved one, say, in June— there's something about that empty seat at the table around the holidays that just makes that pain even more pronounced. It's different than an empty seat at the picnic table yeah, in July, yeah. right? And then the folks who are alone for the holidays, even if they haven't experienced loss, they're, if they're already vulnerable and, and prone to depression it, and they're isolated. And so I always say, if there's someone who comes to mind, think right now, who do you know who they might be alone right now? And can you reach out to them? Can you invite them to your holiday table? It makes all the difference. Nobody they, wants to be alone on the holidays. No. And who wants to be alone in general if, if you're you know, depressed? Point. And uh, certainly it's just um, emphasized. And then being on social media, you know, Facebook released a well, report yeah. the other day. And we know that social media has a negative correlation, especially smartphone social media used for young people with their mental health. So if someone's on Facebook and seeing all the great holiday well, everybody's photos. everybody's perfect on Facebook. I know, and then you're Every, home I mean, alone. There's not, an un, yeah. there's not an imperfect person exactly. on Facebook, is there? Well, when with the filters, you look even more perfect, right? Or you can look like a little dog or you rabbit. You can look like anything you want. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, all of that kind of conspires around the holiday season. Okay. So really, if someone's already at risk, uh, it might be just the thing. Okay, so how I wanted to dovetail this is I am guessing, because I'm not an expert, that... If you're somebody that's prone to having some depression or even negative thoughts and things along those lines, I am guessing that sleeping well, Allie, Dr. Pegg, eating well and living well, I'm guessing that that whole circle has an effect upon whether you're depressed or not. Am I right? Absolutely. Um, Everything's connected, and we talked about that earlier on my show as well, that sleeping well, exercising, managing stress, eating well, uh, social support, all of that is critically important. It all works together for wellness, being able to um, adapt to a changing and challenging environment and feel fulfilled in your social relationships, in um, your uh, feeling like you're making a meaningful contribution to the world, uh, physical health, spiritual well-being, it's all connected. So your suggestions, we'll take a break here in just a moment, but your suggestions, if there's somebody out there listening that 
because we know there are certain, uh, I mean, I, again, I'm not an expert, but there are certain types of individuals that are more prone to depression than others. Am I right in saying well, so? I would say certain life circumstances and okay. then certainly cognitive mindsets can make someone I mean, vulnerable. But, but does like depression, for example, run in families? Oh, absolutely. There's okay. a gen- genetic link. There's Okay, um, that's, what I, that's what I meant to say. So in chemistry. some cases, sure. they're, you're, sure. you're just more apt or more prone in some cases to be depressed than say somebody else. So if you're one of those individuals, Mm -hmm. all the more important to do the things you need to Yep. to keep yourself out of that mode, right? Absolutely. Focusing on um, holistic kind of wellness um, practices are good for all of us every single day, but especially if you've had a history of depression, history of depression or mental illness in your family, you should be very intentional about wellness. Okay, we'll come back and talk more about that because it's a big deal this time of year. Those of you who are listening, whether you're somebody that might struggle a little bit with depression or you've got a, a loved one, you know, family member, mom, dad, maybe it does run in your family. As Dr. Pegg just said a moment ago, it can. Now I'll talk more about that as soon as we come back. So don't go anywhere. Hark how the bells, sweet silver bells, all seem to say, throw cares away. Christmas is here, bringing good cheer to young and old, meek and the poor. Good song, Charlie. Ding, that one I approve. So all Christmas songs, ding, dong, ding, dong, two more days, the today and tomorrow, then Tuesday when we come back, it'll be something for New Year's. Yeah. Because Christmas will be over. doesn't have to hear Christmas songs. No, then I'm done. Yeah, for another 363 days. Yeah, exactly. New Year's resolutions? Have you seen Me, I don't do New Year's. Those? I don't do those. Okay. Nah, I'm just not that guy. We'll talk about those next week, though. Okay. We, and we could I'll, a little bit I'll today, too, in. if we get time. <laughs> no, I, we have time today. Let's talk about that. Okay. that that's While you're here, we can talk a little bit about that. Plan it is. It them, is. Right? Okay, so if we get some time, we'll do that. Yeah. So, all right, 303-477-5600. If you want to talk to Dr. Pegg, feel free to do so. So depression around Christmas time, it does run in certain families. And you just mentioned even during the break that... Uh, you know, depending upon the family that you've come from, what's been going on there, uh, you really need to pay attention to some of that because there's usually warning signs sure. and you need to know what those are and pay attention to them, correct? Absolutely. Uh, certainly signs of depression in general, which is one of the biggest um, factors in suicide is someone who's depressed. And so we're looking for someone who is sad and saying they're sad, they look sad, they have depressed mood. Or and or they've lost interest or pleasure in previously enjoyed activities. Okay. You may, may see a, a change in kind of their physical well-being, where they're experiencing fatigue, sleep problems, either having insomnia or sleeping too much, uh, appetite change in appetite, um, uh, a slowing down in their in their motor functions. We call it psychomotor retardation, where they're okay. just kind of moving slowly. Okay talking slowly, or they're real agitated. Which, Uh, by the way, real quick, I want to make sure that I add something to that. I know that when you just said retard a minute ago, in the old, you know, for a long, long time, that was a a bad negative term used for certain individuals, which we would not use. Right. The name in and of itself, though, I think because of that, we don't use that word much. And being an automotive guy like I've been all my life, believe it or not, in the automotive world, that word is used quite a bit because mm. when you time an engine, yeah. there's advanced timing and there's retard timing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Retard means you're going backwards, yeah, re- yeah. retarding the timing, and advancing means you're moving forward. Yeah. So what you're just saying a moment ago 
fits right along with what I just said. Yeah. So psychomotor means your actual physical movements that's influenced by your psychological processes. So it it can be retarded, slowed down. So, and I mean, that's what comes to mind when you think of someone who's depressed. They're moving slowly. Sure. Thinking slowly, speaking slowly, but also the opposite is agitation, where they're they can't sit still. They're wringing their hands and fidgeting. Uh, so often with depression, we see two sides of the same coin: increase in ap- appetite, loss of appetite, okay. increase uh, sleeping all the time, not able to sleep at all. Uh, you might also find difficulty concentrating, difficulty making decisions, difficulty um, uh, remembering. Uh, and then certainly suicide. So those are um, seven, eight, nine different signs that someone could be depressed if those signs uh, are occurring most of the day, more days than not, at least two weeks or more. And I, I always tell people, you know, that's how the professionals would diagnose depression. But don't worry if it hasn't been most of the day, every day for two weeks or more. And, well, it's only been 11 days. Well, they're still showing signs that they're in distress. And you know them better than anyone. So you're probably a better judge than even a psychiatrist would be because you're with that person all the time, right? Exactly. So if you see a major shift, that should be a red flag, right? Yeah, and that's always one of them, kind of a, a benchmark is if you see a marked change from their baseline behavior. Some people are normally real hyper. I know a lot of people who are normally kind of slow and they move slow and that's just how they are. That's not me, is it, Cassie? <laughs> so we're looking for a change from their baseline and not so, just Okay, the where, fact where's that my they're... baseline, Cassie? What's my baseline? <laughs> She's laughing. <laughs> What's John Rush's baseline? Do I have one? I really don't know. I'm pretty kind of hyped up so. all the time. I mean, you usually come in and you're in the same mood every day and mm-hmm. it's fine and you're yeah. fine. But I mean, I'm raring to go most of the time, right? <laughs> By the time it hits three o'clock, it's like, boom. doesn't matter what's going on. No, lights boom, on. it's showtime. Hey, showtime. That's right. That light's yeah. on, off we go. But, you know, oh, that's, yeah. but you're right. I'm pretty even keeled. Most of the time, yeah. yeah a few things yeah. rear me up every now and then. But I'm I'm pretty, I guess my, what I would consider my own baseline to be would be I'm, I'm not a sedentary kind of a guy. I mean, I sleep well. I don't have any problems with that. I mean, I'm an old guy, so I get up a couple times a night to do a couple <laughs> things that I need to do during the night, which old guys do. But outside of that, <laughs> I sleep pretty well. And this time of year, I'm usually checking the weather. So I go out and look out the window. Is it snowing? Is it not? So that's just kind of my mode anyway. So I sleep pretty well. Don't have any problem there. Go to bed early, get up early. And I would say that if five was the middle ground between one being very sedentary and 10 being super hyperactive, I would think I'm about a seven. Is that about right, Cassie? I would say seven. I'm yeah. about a seven. I mean, I'm not yeah. in the middle. Yeah. I'm a little more, I mean, I'm an A, I'm an high a personality, energy. high energy, you know, let's, you know, rock and roll, get things done. That's me. Oh. So somebody viewing me, mm-hmm. if they noticed me being on a scale of one to 10, a four, right. or even a five. I'd be more significant knowing that your baseline is a seven. Right. Now, there's some people low energy, mellow. They're a three all the time. Yeah. And they're kind of, that's how they are, you know, most of the time right. and they're functioning and they'll tell you they're fine. And so that's not concerning, but we're really looking for the change. Who's the hardest ones to depict that change in? Somebody that's really like me, that's high energy, that all of a sudden drops, you know, three or four notches, Mm -hmm. or that person that's at a three all the time where it's really hard to tell that they've really slowed down some because they're, they're, they're a slower, slow is not the right word. They're they're a less energetic individual in the first place. Yeah. Well, so that would be harder to know. And then, then we have to ask the question, have they had a persistent depressive disorder for, for a years. Long time. And oh, it's not really a, a change because they've okay. been, so then we have to kind of inquire and see where, you know, how are they functioning? What, how would they describe uh, their mood? Now, the interesting thing about depression is 
um, it, it's a sad or depressed mood and or loss of interest and pleasure. And I've worked with uh, clients in the past who were diagnosed with depression and they were surprised because they said, I never felt sad. So they had that loss of interest, loss of pleasure, but they didn't actually have the sad feelings. But then they had all these other physical signs like change in sleep uh, patterns, change in appetite, change in energy level. And they just had no interest and pleasure in their previously enjoyed activities, but they didn't actually feel sad. And so... But we're still depressed. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not, wow. I'm not on okay. the air diagnosing anyone. I'm just sharing no, no, with you some, no, of, exactly. some yeah. of those yeah, uh, no, that, that, features uh, and behaviors. I would think that that particular individual would be the hardest one to diagnose. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then you're looking Even for the looking people for that are around change. them, I mean, mm-hmm. because you, you're just not seeing a huge swing where you would in somebody, you know, like myself. I yeah. mean, if all of a sudden, you know, I went a week without doing much, most of the people around me are going to think, what's going on? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and they should, rightly so, because that's not your baseline. Right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if there's somebody out there that notices all of this mm-hmm. and they've got a friend or a family member or a coworker even, what do they do? Yeah. Well, my thing is always to ask the person. Okay. I noticed, it's kind of a formula, I call it a sound bite. I've noticed XYZ. I noticed that, you know, you're normally so high energy and lately you've been whatever it is you're noticing. I'm concerned about you. You want to talk about that. So we don't necessarily just see someone look sad and call 911. If you have the opportunity to talk with them, there's someone you're in relationship with, maybe they're a coworker, family member, friend, spouse. I noticed, you know, you've lost your appetite. I've noticed, you know, you're not sleeping well. And I'm what's no- going on? Yeah, I'm noticing several things, and it's a change for you. Is, it, is everything okay? What's going on? And they'll, they'll tell you one way or the other. People tend to tell the truth. I've even had people who are suicidal who tell you the truth. Yeah, I am thinking about killing myself. So most people won't lie about it. Uh, and so now it's how do you respond? And so uh, we have to get comfortable with asking that question. What's going on? Are you thinking of uh, killing yourself or are you thinking of harming yourself? And if they say yes, well, then to say, well, I want to get you some help. Are you willing to stay safe for now mm. until we can figure out something keyword of how to help Is that you? a keyword? Are you willing to stay safe for, for now? Because now, uh, they can't see past how they feel right now. But are right. you willing to stay safe for now Got in it. the next hour, you know, depending how right. imminent and right. serious it is? Um, so when would you call, you know, an authority type person, 911, something along mm-hmm. those lines? What's the... What's yeah, the if, What's the parameters there, I if guess I should say? If they answer, yes, I am thinking about killing myself. At that point, many people don't have the training to kind of assess how imminent yeah, the threat is. Yeah, I would have a clue. Is. And so if you're not certain because you don't know what to ask next, then you would say, you know what? I'm, I hear you. I'm not really sure what to do to help you. I'm going to call someone for help. And hopefully they won't bolt. Some people will run, but okay. most people won't. Uh, but if you have received training, you can ask them, uh, have you made a plan? That's a real key question to ask if someone. In other words, have they made a plan to commit suicide? How, how they would do it. Uh, and if they say, no, I just kind of been thinking about it. I'm, I'm just so, you know, I'm just feeling so helpless and hopeless. This is all, you know, I feel I can do. But I haven't really thought about how I would do it. Well, then they're not imminently suicidal. They still need help. If they say, yes, I, ha- I do have a plan. Well, what is it? And you may feel like, oh, my God, I can't. I'm going to put ideas in their head or I don't want to talk about this. It's uncomfortable. Well, they already have. It's critically important. Right. You're not going to put the idea. Oh, They've... so glad you mentioned that. I hadn't thought about killing myself. Now that you asked me, I think I will. That's not how not they think, is it? And so 
okay, tell me about your plan. And you're assessing how lethal it is. How do they have access to it? Uh, is there anyone uh, who can who will be around who can intervene if mm. they were to carry this out? Or are they really isolated? And so that's going to tell you the, the severity. If they have a real lethal plan, they have access, they have the means, it's a deadly means, mm. uh, you need to get some help. Now, if they say, no, I've just, you know, I just kind of thought about it. I want the pain to stop. Um, and they don't have weapons. They don't have um, uh, medication that they can overdose on. Then you're, they're not as imminent a threat. They do okay. still need some um, okay. professional intervention and help and support. And so you can call your local crisis uh, center. Uh, Colorado has a um, uh, Colorado um, helpline, and okay. I'll, I'll look that number up um, okay. during the break. I have it programmed in my phone. I don't have it memorized. That's fine. Sorry about that. And I recommend everyone. Nobody pro- does anymore. Everyone by the program way. should program it in their way. phone. Yes. I'll give you that number during the break okay. when we come back from the break. Um, but yeah, calling for help and not leaving that person alone. Although for myself personally, I'm not going to tackle someone right. and hold them down. But that's a personal decision. Someone else might decide. Yeah, I'm going to hold okay. them here until I can get help if okay. they try to bolt. What's the What's the ratio this time of year? I shouldn't say ratio, but how How much do suicides go up this time of year? Do you know the stats on that at all? I, I don't Even have the stats off the top of my head, but I could. I would guess uh, certainly acute depression is going to be on the rise around this time of the year for folks who are already um, vulnerable and may find themselves alone or uh, have a setback this time of year of some kind, anything even from um, your car breaking down. I was working with uh, someone the other day who she said, I'm sorry, I can't deliver this project on time. My car broke down. I have thousands of dollars of repairs. I have a young child at home, and all heck is breaking loose, and we're trying to leave town for the holidays. So something like that could happen to someone who's vulnerable, who's been holding on by their fingernails all year, they get to this time of year, they're feeling lonely anyway, and then they That's have the that straw the that breaks yep. the camel's back. Yep. So Makes my guess sense. would be, you know, those numbers possibly could go up. Okay. Dr. Pegg is with us again, and she is with her show here on Thursdays. Thursdays Living at well. 1, Living Well with Dr. Pegg. We explore effective psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well and staying safe. My sponsor is SSI Guardian, and they offer advanced active shooter training and safety and security solutions. So safety is a big part of living well in today's uh, environment. In her website, by the way, for folks listening, it's drpegonline.com, and it's D-R, not doctor spelled out, but drpegonline.com. Bells will be ringing the sad, sad news. All right, Rush to Reason, Denver's Afternoon Rush, KLZ 560. John Rush here. Charlie Grimes, your engineer. Cassie George doing Facebook Live. Dr. Peg is also in studio with a Dr. Peggy Mitchell, I should say, and her daughter actually is also sitting here listening in and commented just a few minutes ago. So thank you both for being here. And I was going to ask just real quick before we move on, if you go like a, like two days without sleeping, is that really like a bad thing? Does that like have bad effects? She's like, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Not good. And if I can give that crisis line. Yes, go ahead. Yes. I have it programmed so it's it's in for my Colorado, phone. right? Crisis it's for Colorado, Colorado Crisis Services. And I recommend everyone pull out your phone right now and okay. program this in. It could save a life. The number is 844-493-TALK, T-A-L-K. Oh, and you can also text the word TALK to 38255, Colorado Crisis Services. Five, five. So 38255-TALK, mm-hmm. and then the other number is 
talk. Put both of those in your phone, and, and uh, yeah, as Dr. Pegg just said, save a life. And we, we all tend to forget, you know, we get busy with this time of year. There's a lot of things going on. The majority of us have family, friends, and activities, and for a lot of us, it's just chaos. There's really not any time to even think about being depressed because you're just chaos all the time. Uh, we forget that there are those out there that have no chaos yeah. and probably would love to have a little chaos yeah. Yeah. because they're just sitting around alone without all of the other family, friends, and other yeah. things happening this time of year, right? And if someone is coming to mind right now, I say that's the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, reach out to them. Send them a text. That's you know, Give them a call. I'm old school. Give them a yeah, call. That's a great point. And just reach out. Hey, we you don't do that much mind. anymore, yeah, do we? You're on my mind today and just want to know, let you know I'm thinking about you. How's it going? And But be prepared. You know, you're opening the door to them saying, wow, okay, someone sees me, they care. So be prepared if you do reach out uh, to be able to listen, ask those important questions. Are you thinking about uh, hurting yourself, killing yourself? Another great question, if they say, yeah, I am thinking about killing myself, uh, is do you really want to die or do you just want the pain to stop? Or do you really want to die or do you just want things to be different? Mm. Most people, most will say, I just want the pain to stop. I want things to be different. Are you willing to stay safe for now until we can figure out how to make how to help that? Yep. Okay. Great. Great. Dr. Pegg, thank you very much. All right. Welcome. Another story, which sad, but true. When I read this, I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me, but this is true. An Aurora teen stabbed, says allegedly, but there's proof on Snapchat that he did. So I'm not really sure why this article says allegedly, because there's proof on Snapchat that he actually did. So Aurora teen stabbed stepdad and then posted the Snapchat video of him dying right afterwards. So a 19-year-old Aurora man allegedly stabbed his stepfather repeatedly and then recorded the last few moments of the man's life in a Snapchat video taken as he bled to death, court records indicate. And he's saying during in the video, hey guys, I just killed him, I just killed him, I just killed him. This is Nicholas Vinson that said that. He could be heard saying this on the video. The man was face down, covered in blood. The woman kneeling next to the man was screaming, Lamar, can you hear me? Can you hear me? No. The video then panned back to the person making it, identified as Nick Vinson. So again, I have a hard time when somebody like the Denver Post says, allegedly stabbed, when the Snapchat video actually says... He did. Now, I guess you could fake the Snapchat video, but I'm guessing that's probably not the case here. Yeah. And, you know, unless the video doesn't show him stabbing, we just see him dying, bleeding, and the man saying he did it right. still doesn't mean he did do it. So, I suppose. Man, how tragic. Still very tragic. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. Okay. You're the psychologist. I'm not. I can't imagine what would go on in somebody's mind to even think about doing such a thing. Yeah, I mean, we don't know until he's interviewed to know what was he thinking, what was his motive. Um, You know, so many kids are raised on cartoons, for example, where people fall off a cliff and then they jump back up and they, you know, they're alive again. Coyote. Yeah, it just makes you wonder, you know, do, Mm -hmm. do young people today, and he's 19, old enough to know better, but do they in some part of their mind think that this has no consequence, it's reversible, it's not permanent, or was he in such a rage? I'm speculating. Who knows? You know, it'll come out, you know, at least what he says is right. the reason he did it. Right. Um, but just tragic. I can't imagine. I'm speechless, yeah. And now, this family, on down the road, everything we just talked about, mm-hmm. that will have that effect from this point forward, yeah, right? That that the holiday season, you know, will be a reminder of the loss and just the fact that they're not, that the father is not present 
around the holidays, that absence is glaring and amplified. So this particular uh, young man actually called his brother and some other people and even said, here's what I did, so on and so forth. Now, what would you be looking for on the front side? Or are there any warning signs on the front side on something along these lines? Yeah, you know, if, if he stabbed him, so... Did he always have a knife? Was it a kitchen knife? But something you would look for. It was for. a knife that actually looked like brass knuckle, or it had a brass knuckle style handle seven inch blade. Yeah. So doubt it was something that came out of the kitchen, kitchen drawer. Kitchen drawer. So as we talked about the last time I was on the show is people have a grievance. This is called mm-hmm. the pathway to violence model. Okay. They have a grievance, which we all do any given day. Okay. Right? Someone steals your parking spot, you know. You're ticked. Yeah, you're mad at the cashier for right. getting your wrong change, whatever. And you get the idea in your mind, I'm going to address my grievance through violence. That's the differentiator. Most of us have a grievance any given day, but we don't leap to, I think I'm going right? to solve it with violence. Okay. So once they move to that pathway, down the pathway towards that ideation or thought, then it's they start planning. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. They start researching how are they going to do it? Maybe they re- he researched how to purchase this type of weapon, and then they start preparing, and so maybe practicing. So a sign, I'm just going to talk hypothetically because I don't know any of the background right. details. If you have a young man living at home who's never had an interest in weapons, and we talked about that change from baseline, right. Right. and all of a sudden now you see him ordering you know, some kind of mail order uh, knife brass knuckle type thing, or he's got a whole stash of knives or weapons or guns. And we talked last time about Mm -hmm. the difference between a gun hobbyist and someone who's now acquiring weapons and ammunition and and body armor and that kind of thing. You got to ask the question as a parent, seeing that stuff in your kid's room, hey, what's going on? Got it. And so, you know, I don't know. Was he collecting these weapons? Did he out of the blue order this or purchase it? Did he have a grievance with his stepdad? Did it escalate rapidly? Was yes. it what we call affective violence, where it's that real emotional... Sound, sounds like in the article it did. Yeah. There was some sort of an argument. They were texting back and forth. Mm-hmm. The stepdad left, returned to the house. He then went to pick up his wife. When he got back to the house, uh, Vincent, this young man, went downstairs, uh, told her son that the three of them needed to talk. Uh, Nick, the Vincent, the young man, refused to go upstairs. Vincent told Owensby, that was the stepdad, that he stood at the top of the stairs and challenged him to come upstairs and fight. Owensby then went down into the basement and was about to hit Vincent with his fist. So he was going to hit the young man with his fist. The teen then stabbed him in the neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I'm no attorney. I don't want to right. you know, speculate about how this will play out. But um, if there hadn't been any other threats or plans, you know, we don't know until he's right. interviewed. Had he been thinking about killing his stepfather and was just waiting for the opportunity or was it truly, you know, in the heat of the moment, maybe even self-defense? Again, I'm no attorney. Right, we don't know. Exactly. And so, but that would be an example of what we call affective violence if there hadn't many prior planning. It's someone who just maybe has poor coping skills. Um, so as the mom in this situation, I know we can't mm-hmm. judge her, nor would we, but yeah. just hypothetically, th- you know, walking through this, what would a mom in this particular situation do, yeah. be looking for and be, you know, trying to diffuse the situation, what mm-hmm. sh- what could she have done in this situation? Yeah, or well, is there anything? If there had been conflict, ongoing conflict prior to this happening, you know, family therapy is always a, a great option if he were okay. amenable to it, the young man. Um, but certainly in a blended family, you know, 
Um, it's not the Brady Bunch like no, what it's we not. grew up on. I it's mean, been it's, there, done it's it. tough. Yeah. So uh, blended families, step families. I've had plenty of um, yep. guests on my program talking about some of the challenges and the rewards. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's per- both. That's yeah, exactly right. Perhaps there could have been some family counseling. And again, we hate to, you know, armchair quarterback. Sure. Yeah. No. And, yeah. and we don't know all the deep. But this is hypothetically mm-hmm. yeah. for anybody else out there Just that, to, be proactive to your point, has a blended family. Mm-hmm. Things happen. And I've been there. I know what that's like. Mm-hmm. It's It's hard to get everyone to come. I mean, it's hard to get your own kids mm-hmm. at times to all come onto the same page. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, having a blended family when you've got other spouses involved and so on that really have large effects on things. Yeah. And again, we don't want to uh, pigeonhole, you know, conflicts that are blended families only. No, because it can happen anywhere. Yeah. It can happen in a biological family right. and it doesn't happen every day in other blended families. Exactly. And we don't know that that's even part of the issue. He could have raised this young man since he was a baby right. and been more like a, you know, his natural dad and Great only point. dad he's ever known. We just don't know. Great point. Yeah. yeah. It's just saying stepdad because he was. Well, yeah. Yeah. And so again, you know, things to look for is that change in behavior. Um, you know, is he actually, has he actually made a threat? We have to take those threats seriously. Um, so really and, what you're trying to tell me is, which I already know, but as a parent, especially open your eyes, oh, yeah, pay attention, sure. listen, be alert mm-hmm. and don't just pass certain things off saying, ah, oh, he's just a kid. Right. And, you know, especially for teenagers, we, we, we accept it as, as well, as they're just being a teenager. If, if you have a teenager holed up in their room days at a time with their earbuds in, That's not normal. facing the phone, they won't talk to anyone, right. they won't come out for dinner with the family. Oh, he's just being a teenager. No, no that's not normal. You, it's Dr. not Pig. healthy. Go in that room, find out what's going on, use my soundbite of, I've noticed you haven't come out of your room, I noticed you don't want to eat dinner with us, I noticed you're just on your phone all day, what's going on with you? Amen. And it's hard to ask those questions when we haven't already built a relationship with our children. We can't let them just, quote unquote, be teenagers. Yeah, that's normal and developmental that their peers become important, but we still have to find a way to stay connected. Very well and, said. And um, that way we have a relationship that we can leverage when we see that change in behavior. Don't let your kid just hide out in the room and say, oh, he's just being a teenager. Very well said. We come back, we'll talk about New Year's resolutions. We can segue into that just sure. perfect. Dr. Pegg's song. I love this song. This is her choice today. So, Dr. Pegg, thank you for joining us. Dr. Peggy Mitchell. Clark. And she is, oh, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. And she is here on Thursdays. Thursdays at 1. 1 to and 2. you can stream on drpegradio.com or go back to the archives. Had a great show today great. that I'll get posted uh, once I leave here this afternoon. Awesome. All right. Well, we appreciate you being with us very much. New Year's resolutions. First of all, how many people make resolutions this time of year for the New Year's? Oh, gosh, uh, yeah, that's Googleable. <laughs> I don't know that number, but most it's people... High. Yeah, I know more and more people are saying, no, I don't make those resolutions. Most people are making resolutions of things they're going to stop. And I always recommend that you focus on what you will do rather than what you won't do. So you're replacing... Um, okay, so instead behavior. of being negative, be positive. Yes, instead of saying, I'm going to stop eating junk food. 40% or more of Americans there make New go. Year's resolutions. Yeah, thank you. That's pretty high. That's a pretty high percentage, yeah. And those are the, only the ones who are willing to admit yeah, to say the so. survey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But replacing those negative behaviors, undesirable behaviors, with what you will do, and, and doing it in small chunks, not saying, oh, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, I'm going to start... You know, running five miles a day when you've been on the couch for the last 10 years, you got to start small. I'm going to walk around the block for 30 minutes after dinner every day. I'm going to add one extra cup of water, um, you know, to drink throughout the day. Throughout the day. So okay. start small. 
try to be consistent. I have what I call my 21 day challenge. Psychologists say it takes 21 days to establish a new habit. I don't okay. know if, you know, the science behind I think that's pretty that, close. that number, but I think it just you means repeat it, it enough. It eventually takes, it's, yeah. it's, it starts to yeah, stick. And you didn't develop this habit overnight. It takes time, but it to redevelop takes, it. Right? Yeah. It's 21 days for a small behavioral change, not okay. some large sweeping pattern of behaviors. Okay. In your Only 8% age. succeed, by the way. Wow. Well, that's because they haven't uh, they haven't read my book, Do Something Different for a Change, and they haven't come to my personal transformation retreat. There I we have go. A couple spots left for Saturday, oh, really? December thirtieth this year. Okay. So next Saturday. Yeah, do something different for a change, personal transformation retreat, small group to look at where you are, where you want to go, and what's holding you back. And then I'll help you uh, craft a, an action plan. Okay, where so we, where do where and I know we can't do the seminar right now because we've only got like I don't know five minutes left, but. In general, if somebody's out there thinking about this, they can't set time aside next Saturday to do so. Uh, how would they go about even setting a a attainable resolution? Yeah. Well, and that's you know, psychologists talk about smart goals, making it specific, right. making it measurable, making it attainable. So it's not some pie in the sky goal. Um, uh, what's my R? I'll come back to that. But and then T is time bound. Right. And so, so it's SMOT goals. If you're from Boston, I can't think smart. of the, can't think of the R right uh, off the top of I my head. I can't either. I, but I yeah, should know, but uh, so we're just trying to be um, uh, practical and making it a small enough uh, New Year's resolution that's something you can build upon. And so I I talk a lot about focus, action, and consistency. We have to narrow down our focus to something doable. We have to remove the distractions that are convenient excuse and out for focusing on what it is we say we want. Relevant is the yeah, R. Thank you, relevant. And then um, we have Realistic, to Realistic, in other words. Yes. And then we have to take um, uh, small, consistent action steps. So if you if you had a goal of, which in 2010, mine was, I'm going to lose weight. I, was, uh, I had been 305, I was down to wow. about 280, and I wanted to get down to a goal weight of 180. So that was almost 100... Well, from 280 to 180 wow. is 100 pounds, you. and yet the other on, it was another 25. And so I couldn't say I'm going to lose, you know, 80 in a month. Yeah. So what I had to say was, really, I'm going to lose weight. I've got a goal weight set. How long will that take? Depends on how well I behave each week. I average 2.3 pounds a week. And that's healthy. Yeah, and that's good. how I chunked away at it and yeah. do the math. And you can figure out it takes about nine to 10 months to get that weight off. And, and you did it. And away and you I, go. I would even tweak that a little bit because even saying I'm going to lose weight is what you don't, you know, you don't want. Yeah, my, mine was really, I want to get to a goal weight. Exactly. Get to a goal weight and I'm going to add in these health promoting behaviors. Right. And it's not rocket science. Again, I'll have my mm -hmm. uh, episode, my interview from earlier today posted later on. Um, but I, my guest, Debbie Stevenson, just gave us it's she was so inspiring because she makes it so simple and so doable and it's common sense and it's not some crazy fad diet. And uh, it's really understanding how your body works and yep. then what works for you. Yeah, no, I, even mine was, wasn't fat. It yeah. was in my world and it's still to this, this day the same for me. I have to really watch my sugar and my carb intake. Yep. And in my that's world, exactly you know, carbs turn to sugar. About. And so you just have to, yep. even now today to keep my weight maintained, I have to really, really watch yep. that end of things. I mean, I'm one of those types that I can eat. I mean, I probably couldn't eat as much protein as I wanted to, but let's just sit down and say I could, I can sit down and have a 15 ounce steak if, as long as I can eat all of it. Mm -hmm. The reality is I'm not going to pick any weight up tomorrow. Now, if I ate a four ounce steak 
and a, um, I don't know, throw some sort of a, a starch or a, or, mm-hmm. or, or a loaf of bread. Yeah. So, you know, you have a four-ounce steak and five pieces of bread. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick up weight tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So it's amazing that even the same quantity of food, mm-hmm. roughly, Mm-hmm. One makes me pick up weight, the other doesn't, yeah. because my body type can't handle the carbs and the sugars. Yeah, and most of our bodies cannot. You know, I guess that's probably true. I guess I'm person. not unique in that, am yeah. I? But. And then I always say it'll catch up. People who have those bad habits because they're like, oh, I can eat anything, and I say, eventually it changes, it, it, right? It can change over time as we age. But yeah, it's really just um, focusing on what's my goal. What do, what do I what do I what do I want? Not what do I want to stop doing? Okay. What will I do instead that's incompatible with these bad habits? If I'm drinking more water, eating more vegetables, there's literally just less room for the bad, you know, quote unquote, foods that don't work well. And once you get started, your stomach and body will start to change some and your desires even will will start to change. Although I will tell you this, even somebody that's like myself that's done this for, you know, what now, eight years, going on my eighth year, is it easy to slip backwards? Oh, absolutely. If you're not careful, it is. I mean, there's a whole um, uh, stages of change model that psychologists talk about. Uh, It's, you know, what you're not even thinking about changes or now it's on my radar and I'm going to take action and I'm going to maintain. Those are the stages. But one of the stages is relapse prevention because it's kind of assumed, yes, you're going to slip back from time to time. But don't use that as, as an excuse to just, you know eat the whole cake because you slipped up today over the holidays. Well, get back on track tomorrow. And one one thing I know, and I'm assuming this applies to many other areas of life, including, you know, whether it's losing weight, stop smoking, stop drinking. I mean, whatever it happens to be, whatever resolution you're trying to get, Mm -hmm. you know, get in better shape, handle my money better and Mm -hmm. so on. One of the core things I think too, that also has to do with that is you've got to make sure your environment fits what you're trying to do. In other words, if I'm going to try to lose weight, I probably don't want to eat at Olive Garden every day. Right. Well, even, you know, I work from home now, but even uh, when I still worked uh, at the college and I worked for a short time at my church, there's always some administrative assistant always has a food, bowl of chocolate. Right? Someone's always bringing donuts. Someone yeah. else is always bringing barbecue and yep. and potato salad for a special lunch. And it's so tempting. Uh, oh, so- today in there, there was like <laughs> six pizzas when I got yeah, into the office yeah. today. And, you know, I walk in and I'm like, okay, do I have my protein shake or a piece of pizza? Mm-hmm. Um, well... For me, it was a protein shake yeah. because the pizza just is an automatic yeah. killer for me. Or weight-wise. you have one or two bites, so you kind of decide up front what am I. My problem to is do? that's hard to do. That's hard to do, so you know yourself. It's very hard. Yeah. I mean, I can't eat two bites of pizza. Yeah. If I'm eating a piece, I'm eating a piece. Yeah, and what what I talk about in my book, do something different for change, as well as what we'll review in the retreat next week, is that we really do need to put a structure in place. Uh, it's just like I used to wear braces when okay. I was a teenager. I lost okay. my retainer and my teeth went back to, they had memory. Okay. So I had to get braces again and I'm in a retainer now and uh, I've noticed my teeth are moving a little bit again, you know, because the retainer is, I need to get it replaced. Got and it. so our, we're the same way with our behavior. You need a structure in place that helps keep you on track because you're going to have memory. You're going to yep. slip back to those old patterns. And sometimes and the people that we associate with I'm not saying you need to disassociate with those folks. Please don't take it that way. What I'm saying, though, is like me, for example, before losing weight, if there was something I needed to do around the lunch hour, it involved food. Mm. Now, I don't schedule things during the lunch hour. I either schedule it prior or aft, and it's coffee. Mm -hmm. So there's ways to make, to your point, that structural change to where you can 
Absolutely. Make those permanent well, changes. And one thing I say is most people want change, but they won't make changes. They want something different, but they won't do something different. Why? Because change is hard. That's the point. It's scary, yep. and it comes at a cost. And sometimes, yes, you do have to let go of certain people because well they're going to get you off track. Dr. Peggy Mitchell, we appreciate it very much. Thank you very much. We will be right back. Now back to Rush to Reason on KLZ 560. All right, Rush to Reason, Denver's Afternoon Rush, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it very much. Dan's out driving around, handling his uh, afternoon duties. Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, with an E. Yes, we're extraordinary. Is with us today, (laughs) taking his place. So thank you very much, Dr. Peggy. We appreciate it very much. And real quick, one more time, you've got a seminar coming up next Saturday that folks can join in on and help them with resolutions. Yes, do something different for a change. It's a personal transformation retreat. We go to work retreats. This is for you. Uh, So we're at the end of the year going to look at where are you? Where do you want to go? What's holding you back? So you can craft a customized plan and strategy to overcome those barriers. So you can experience lasting change and get off this merry-go-round. Saturday, December 30th in Denver. Go to drpegradio.com slash retreat. How many slots do you still have open? I still have two slots open. And if it fills before you get a chance to register, I do private individualized retreats and certainly um, we'll be scheduling more in the coming months. What, what, outside of weight loss, what's the, we got one minute left. Outside of weight loss, what's the, what's the next resolution you hear the most from people? Well, folks who smoke, it's quitting smoking. And then I think for others, it's really um, walking in their purpose, whether it's around their career and their job is what do I really need to be doing and how do I um, overcome the fear of letting go and moving into the unknown? So we talk about that as well in the retreat. Yeah, been there, done that. Yeah. I can understand those. Yeah, yeah. All but the smoking part. Never smoked. Oh, good for you. So that one's not an issue yeah. for me, but... Um, it's a tough one for folks who oh, do smoke. It's well, it's a, the most addictive most people, drug. And the way you know if someone's going to quit or not is people who love smoking. And they say, I'm a smoker. It's their identity. They love it. They most likely won't quit. Someone who says, I smoke and I hate it. I wish I could stop. They're more likely to be able to quit in my experience. Yep. Yep. Really? So listen, if they say, I'm a smoker, I love smoking, I don't really want to quit, okay. they probably won't. I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Dr. Pegg, thanks so much. We appreciate thanks, it very John. much. Merry no, Christmas. It's always awesome. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to your daughter. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. All right. Hour number two coming up next. If you missed any of this first hour and want to hear some of what we talked about and or you've got somebody that you know should listen in, maybe somebody that is a little bit depressed and that you'd like to get some information to, Please listen to our replay between 6 and 7 p.m. If it's close to 7 o'clock, have a fantastic evening. We'll be back tomorrow. Otherwise, Hour 2 coming up next. John Rush, Rush to Reason, KLZ 560.